Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. This is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, it is Sports Media Talk. Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, a regular on this podcast. Chad, welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. A regular on this podcast. Thanks for having me back. We're going right in. No uh, no extended intro. Don't have to introduce Austin Carp on this one. It's just Chad. Um, <laughs> all right. We are taping this on Wednesday, March 15th, one day before the first round of the NCAA tournament kicks in. Not the first four, but the first round. So, Chad, let me start Yuck. with this. Over, you know, CBS now and the former artist known as Turner Sports, now Werner Discovery, uh, etc. Um, had this tournament for a long time, and it was interesting to sit on the the conference call with Sean McManus and um, and Warner Brothers executives, and sort of hearing them talk about the partnership. They're very. Mu- I wouldn't say they're on autopilot because I don't want it to be pejorative, but in many ways they sort of have their ideas to how they do this tournament. And they present it as such. And I think, by and large, people like it. We'll get into some of the smaller complaints. But as a general partnership and as a general presentation, I think it's uh, – I think as a as a college basketball fan, you got to be satisfied, generally speaking. How do you feel about it? Yeah, they should be in don't screw it up mode because um... – Ideally, I mean, I don't like the, the the first four. I understand why they do it, but I I just wish it was sixty four teams and there you go. But you know, it allows them to cram in more big conference teams. But um, expanding the field, as it's been rumored for a long time, I think would hurt the tournaments. Uh, no matter you know if the number is ninety six, however they do it, it's not going to feel like the same thing. And the first round is uh, just going to be 
blowout after blowout for the most part. No, ne- uh, not necessarily. I mean, eight nines. You get you get five twelve upsets, right? Six eleven. Upsets. Eight, well, it depends how the seeding's set up, but the gap between the best team. D- does somebody get a buy? Is that how it's going to work? For, oh, you mean? Uh, oh, you're talking about for a future tournament? Oh, I I, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were talking about for this. Yeah. one. I don't know actually. That's. If they extend it, all arguments are out. I agree with you. If they if they increase the the number of teams, yeah, you'd figure the the way that if they went ninety six, that would mean what the first thirty two get a buy and the other sixty four play around, which I guess that would lend itself to upsets, but it wouldn't feel like the same thing the first two days. But if you're CBS and Warner Brothers Discovery, though, in some ways, wouldn't you want that? That's so much more inventory for you. Yes, but it's uh, you, you talk about them being on autopilot. The the reason they're uh, not to be, as you said, pejorative, but um, the reason they're on autopilot is because it works great. Nobody has a complaint about it, or very few people would have a complaint about the way the tournament is structured. Uh, uh, obviously, with gambling just exploding and being legal all over the place, uh, it, it's probably even got a little more appeal than it has before, but it, it owns that spot in the calendar, uh, and it, no changes are necessary. Uh, the only reason to make change is to increase that inventory and to make more money, but that would uh, lessen the product, I think. I think it's fairly obvious that it would. Uh, you just want to have that same that same vibe for the day that people really anticipate the first first two days of the tournament when uh, you got a two be- uh, 15 beating a two and some, some guy you've never heard of is going off for 34 points and um, some some super famous coaches watching his team go down the drain in the first round. That, those are the best things about the tournament, and uh, I, I, I think that would be not eliminated by any stretch, but certainly minimized by I- expanding the field. So they they should be. Hopefully, they remain uh, in the mindset that they're in right now, where uh, uh, everything is working fine. So let's keep it this way. So a couple things there. There was a, I don't I don't think you were on this conference call with uh, McManus and Luis. Uh, Silberwasser, who's the new sports chief at Warner Brothers Discovery. So I asked Luis Silberwasser, I don't know him very well, obviously, um, is, uh, you know, how would you, um, how would you evaluate Warner Brothers Discovery's long-term interest in this partnership? And, and he was very, very clear and said, like, we're in, like, we consider this one of the important partnerships that we have. We're committed to this. It's worked out well. So that's one to, sort of watch to see if that holds up that it's it's indeed mm-hmm. for the you know for the long term it's CBS and and WBD because we have seen Warner Brothers Discovery publicly sort of say oh well yeah we're interested in the NBA but it's got to work for us <laughs> um so that's that was an interesting answer to me just because it would at least at the moment their thinking would be we have an interest in this long term which is of course important for you as a viewer in that, you know, where is this going to appear? Will these games appear on TBS and, and TNT and True? Um, as opposed to if CBS sort of did it solo or CBS had another partner, the games would appear elsewhere. Um, so a couple of complaints, Chad, that do happen uh, come with talent. And I do hear from a lot of the hardcore college basketball fan types that they do not like Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, or anybody with an NBA pedigree coming in and discussing this tournament, but like, I get it. And I understand, and I, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I don't think Charles Barkley knows a ton about college basketball, but you have to understand like Warner brothers discovery is a billion dollar partner in this, and they're going to want to put their people on set. And so it's going to, whether 
you know, if you if you're the diest of diehard college basketball fans, like one, you can get this stuff elsewhere. But in many ways, it's an entertainment show, right? And they're going to put their their biggest entertainers on. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that uh, really none of them know a whole heck of a lot about college basketball, and you can't really blame them. I mean, I'm sure they cram, or at least Kenny does, cramps to some degree before the tournament. But uh, they're coming to NBA all season, right? And that's a, a, a full time job. And yeah, like, itself. ask me and you about it, golf. It's not like we. I can't do a golf podcast. I'd I'd be exposed. Right. Yeah. No, you can't. You know, you can't go on uh, inside the NBA and, and BS your way through. Uh, or you, it's going to frustrate fans, and that's the most popular studio show I think you or I have ever uh, heard of, watched. Uh, uh, you know, been uh, been lucky enough to have on all these years uh, across any sport, and so those guys do a great job in the NBA. Uh, college can't be a uh, real focus for them. They they got lightning in a bottle a little bit. It was a couple of years ago. It was last year where Auburn was really good. So Barkley actually knew what he was talking yeah, about. A couple with years the team, ago. But exactly. He may know Alabama this year, but uh, yeah, for the most part, they're there to for the profile and uh, for entertainment value rather than adding any actual knowledge about the teams. And this year's tournament, one of the obvious storylines uh, outside of the games itself will be Jim Nance's final final run as a final dance as a as the lead broadcaster of the final four and the title game they there's going to be a lot of um a lot of press about nance's relationship to houston as particularly if the university of houston makes it he's an alum it's arguably maybe the most famous alum uh who didn't play basketball there <laughs> right, other than Drexler, I was going to say Benny one. Anders, Clyde Drexler. Yeah, but you know, he and Fred Couples, <laughs> and you know, Nance is somebody who will talk endlessly about his love of Houston. I think it's legit. I don't think it's an act. His the press box is named yeah. after his mom uh, from donations from Jim. So, like, it, it, this is all legitimate stuff. And so that's going to be a story. And I think CBS is going to embrace that, even though there's that adage that you know you don't want your broadcasters to be the story. I think they're going to change it up on this because I think they they think they have a decent story. Here's the one thing I want to say about this, and this is something I've written and said consistently. I think Jim Nance is a good basketball broadcaster. I think Kevin Harlan and Ian Eagle are superior bas- basketball broadcasters. One of those two, in my opinion, based on merit, should have been should have had that job a long time ago. And I'm glad that Ian Eagle is now in that chair next year because I, I think yes. he's an exceptional basketball broadcaster. He's one of the best in the NBA when he does the Nets. He's got, you know, 30 years of calling games. He His pace is just different than Nance's. It's more of a basketball kind of pace. Where Nance is great on golf, guys like Eagle and Harlan, in my opinion, are great on basketball. So that'll be a good change, I think. It's not to say that Nance was bad, because I don't think he was. I just think you're going to get a better broadcaster. You know, I had heard, and I understand it, that Nance was a little reticent to give it up. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, all things do ultimately change, and I... My sense is eventually Nance will probably be happy about it because it's a little less travel. But that's a big story, uh, Chad. Particularly if the University of Houston makes the Final Four, you're going to be reading a ton of stuff about Jim Nance and his last run and and how you know his alma mater is in the Final Four of his last run. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm writing about it a little bit this Sunday, and uh, everybody else will too. And uh, it, it'll obviously be a theme, especially probably the deeper we get into the tournament and the closer it is to. Uh, one shining moment for him, but um, 
It is an upgrade, I think. Uh, I'll take Eagle on any sport that he calls and, and consider it uh, a, a good day when he's the play-by-play voice. The NFL, I think he and Charles Davis are just about as good as it gets. I agree. CBS is number, number two team. They're, they're certainly in it. They're, they're the broadcast team that annoys you the least, I think, out of any. <laughs> that I get the, the least complaints about are when Eagle and Charles Davis have a game. They're good-natured. Davis is on top of his analysis. Um it just really works. And Mc, 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 not to go too far off track, but McManus made a great hire getting Davis and pairing him with Eagle uh, away from Fox. But yeah, the time is right for this. And uh, it makes me just it, it, think back to it, it's been a hell of a run for Nance. You remember when um, when Musburger got fired? I do. I think it was on the eve of the national championship game, 91, the Duke UNLV, and it was shocking. Right. It was like a Rudy Marsky thing in USA That's Today right. or something. That's right. And it was it was stunning because you thought Musburger was going to do it forever. And I think people probably kind of felt that way with Nance, but the difference is, you know, Nance has a master's too. He's at least as well known for that. Uh, and of course, he is, uh, is still his high profile number one NFL uh, spot on CBS. So it's not like he's going anywhere, but uh, it will be different without him. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to next topic, uh, which will be ESPN management. I'm gonna, I know how much you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Chad, so I'll save that for a little bit uh, <laughs> later. In the, uh, is he, is he uh, stunning the Jets to come to the still, still we're, we're taping this a little before yeah. his announcement on, uh, on Pat, on, on Pat McAfee's show. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that breaks during <laughs> our uh, during our show. Um, so ESPN made a significant move, significant behind the scenes move. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably into sports media, so you may know it. There'll be some of you who are sort of general uh, sports fans who might not have seen the news, but ESPN has made a change in its director and producer of Monday Night Football. Derek Mobley, who is a longtime veteran at ESPN, has directed pretty much every major event, great reputation. He replaces Jimmy Platt as the director on that package. Jimmy Platt, another guy again. Everybody here has got good reps. Jimmy Platt moves on to be the lead director of ABC Sunday Night Football and will direct the college football title game. So it's not like Jimmy Platt isn't doing major events. Steve Ackles replaces Phil Dean as Monday Night Football's producer. That is the the big job in terms of product, key production people behind the scenes, the producer of a NFL broadcast. Ackles has been a uh, longtime guy at ESPN, has a lot of management responsibilities, has a lot, had a lot of oversight for the NFL and college football. So now he gets that job 
and Phil Dean moves to calling, not calling, Phil Dean moves to producing college football as part of the number two crew, uh, which is the Saturday primetime game, and he'll also mm-hmm. do a college football semifinal. The only thing I want to say about this is, you notice at a, at a, at a certain level, Chad, and you know this, you've talked to people nationally as well as the people like in Boston and Nesson. Like, if you're doing these kind of productions, you're already sort of the best of the best. You're at the top of your profession. So it's really... In some ways, it's it's subjective as to out of the best of the best, like who puts on a better production. But what's not subjective is the relationship between the producer and the on-air talent. Like that's a that's a that's as important in these jobs as anything else. You want to ha- you want to be able to sort of have this kind of intrinsic connection and chemistry with mm-hmm. the producer uh, and the on-air talent, and so. There's no way these kind of decisions happen without Joe Buck and Troy Aikman signing off. I'm not saying that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman somehow dislike the people who are leaving, but management would never make this move, particularly with two guys who they brought in to reshape their broadcast, particularly with the two of the three highest paid employees at ESPN. Like they're not making this move with you know, with maybe the exception of Jimmy Pichara. They're not in stock. They're not making these moves without those guys signing off, and I'm sure those guys signed off on it. And so that was interesting to me in that they make this very big key personnel decision. And the reason it's big, Chad, is because their Super Bowl is coming up in 2026. So now they believe they have the the group in place that's going to do the Super Bowl, which will be far and away the biggest programming event in the history of ESPN. Yeah, that that was the first thing I thought of too, Richard, was uh, we're we're Troy and Joe on this because obviously they had a say. Um, the one thing that really surprised me about it, I guess, is last year's broadcast felt seamless. Uh, coming over from Fox to Sunday uh, to Monday Night Football, immediately revitalized. Felt like a big moment again. Uh, the, uh, the the game that you had to watch, and you think about um, some of the big moments they had. I mean, they had the the Demar Hamlin game, and they handled that as well as you possibly could. And that was a lot of that was Joe Buck, but it's also uh, people behind the scenes uh, and navigating an unprecedented situation. Uh, it, it was really impressive. And um, it just seemed, uh, you, you, you know, Troy and Joe have been together for forever and, and you know, it was going to work between them, but you did wonder how it was going to work uh, with the logistics of the broadcast, the, the graphics, all the little bells and whistles that you have to deal with. And I just didn't see bugs. I, it, it seemed like they had been there forever. And I, I think that's a reflection on the team that they had behind them. So in that regard, it 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 did feel like uh, even with the management shakeups going on in ESPN, it felt like uh, a bit of a surprise. And let's get to those management uh, shakeups. So the the previous week or a couple weeks before, no, I guess the previous week, um, ESPN announces a significant management uh, change. Burke Magnus, previously the president of programming and original content now has essentially the kingdom when it comes to content. He's the president of content. He oversees the studio shows, live events, news gathering. He oversees investigative journalism, oversees film, oversees the talent office, which is massive, basically making decisions on who's getting paid. He's got an empire. Yeah, who's getting paid and who's not. And then I imagine, I think, social media, maybe digital. Everything that's content, everything you read, see, hear, essentially now falls under Burke Magnus. Um so that's a massive job, and it would set up Magnus, obviously, to be Jimmy Pitaro's successor if Jimmy Pitaro eventually um, got bumped up to 
yeah, to like a, a bigger Disney job, which is, um, you know, which is very possible. The other person who, um, you know, really gets, uh, a massive, massive job is Rosalind Durant, who comes in and now is in charge of programming, media rights deals, ESPN Plus, a streaming platform, ESPN International, I think Anscape, ESPNW. Um, in terms of the programming, a lot of the stuff that uh, that Burke Magnus did now is under Rosalind Durant. She'll be in the room, essentially, room where it happens when it comes to uh, making deals. So, Chad, in terms of like, you know, I know management types really at ESPN love to uh, examine the parlor game of who's got power and who doesn't. But at the moment, what is very, very clear is Burke Magnus and Rosalind Durant um, have done very, very well for themselves and have set themselves up now with, or Jimmy Pataro has set them up with massive, massive jobs. And, uh, and quite frankly, he, they're part of, uh, you know, Pataro's inner circle when it comes to the big decisions that ESPN. I guess so. They must be Yankees fans, right? <laughs> oh, it's a shot at Jimmy. Well, there, you know, K Rod, uh, K Rod brings that out in me. But uh, yeah, it's uh, and you, you kind of look at uh, maybe some people who lost a little bit of cloud. I think I kind of wondered what Norby for sure, uh, Dave Roberts. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm disappointed in that because uh, I, Norby and I speak every week, Chad. As you know, I mean, we we lunch frequent texters in the in the ham in the ham. <laughs> by the way, I, I don't think Norby and I have talked now in. Four years. I'm. I. I don't believe I'm on his Christmas. What did uh, you do? List. He doesn't even send you uh, memes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a longer <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I'm just. He's, I, I think clearly probably not that big of a fan of things I've written. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one who um has lost a little bit of power just because uh um you know when you have to report to people, it's generally when yeah. you lose power. That said. You know, nobody should lose sleep for Norby Williamson or Stephanie Drewley or Dave Roberts, et cetera. Like, these are people all making big six-figure salaries with a lot of stock options in the bank. And so, you know, and it's cliche, but we are talking first-world problems That's of for the highest sure. order. <laughs> first-world, first-world problems. I, I did wonder about Dave Roberts because of his, you know, role overseeing the NBA and whether they're – they made some great – yeah, Stephen is Stephen. Yeah, Stephen is. Uh, they made some uh, great hires. They have a really diverse cast of uh, uh, NBA uh, voices, hosts, analysts. Uh, I agree with but that. Yep, okay. they really haven't made any headway on uh, approaching what uh, you know Warner Brothers, Discovery, TNT have, and uh, you know Chuck, Charles, Ernie, Shaq, and uh, that was. Clearly a priority for a while with ESPN was, uh, and probably still is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say the one thing about the NBA, or you know, I don't know if Roberts hired every NBA person. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure there were sign offs from people like he and Norby. You know, they got to fill a lot more hours than Warner Brothers yeah. Discovery does, and so in that sense, you know, the uh, NBA Today and the Malika Andrews Show, which is which is generally high quality, like you know, it, they don't have a show that's better than Inside the NBA. Obviously, so right. it goes without saying. But I think in aggregate, I think they're they've done a they they've done a good job with NBA voices in that they have brought in some new people, whether it's Kendrick Perkins or uh, JJ Redick or right. you know who Jalen's reach has um, gotten you know, still keeping too. some of the yeah right and they've and kept some of the analytics types like Zach Lowe. So I, I think you know and Wojnarowski has a has more of an on air presence. So Could he? 
they've done well there. You know, yeah. Should he? I, yeah, I don't. I, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm one who sort of judges you on your content, like more than presentation. I, I don't really care if you are stiff on air or you're not the greatest performer. It's just very rare to be like an incredible person with content and a great television performer. You know, someone like Bob Costa or something like that. These are just rare types. So to me, I, I've never. Uh, presentation to me doesn't really matter probably because my own presentation <laughs> on television quite frankly sucks so i'm hoping that uh with you you uh you know you just um yeah no so you just that you know that people just sort of take what the 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 content is uh, you know the uh, we don't on this podcast and i certainly haven't written much about it in the last couple of years i don't do much stuff anymore in the debate shows and the chat shows and a lot of that stuff is nonsense and a lot of it is performative and essentially you're just either looking to get viral for your organization or viral it's not authentic. For your brand but by and large yeah by and large though i think the if i was going to group the nba group at espn i think it is a generally speaking at least the on-air types it, it's generally more quality than not and i think a lot of that is because of that nba yeah. today show which which tries to at least elevate um, conversation. And by the way, as the jump did with Rachel Nichols prior mm -hmm. to NBA Today, they, they've had some smart people who have floated around um, that content. Um, and to me, that's a much more interesting show than NBA Countdown. You're never going to flip them, but like, I think that group is more interesting, oh, no quite doubt. frankly, than Jalen Rhodes, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon discussing stuff, Mike Greenberg before games. Like I, I find the NBA Today crew as a diehard NBA watcher, much more interesting than yeah, other no, no doubt about that. And they did a really, I mean, putting Malik in that role, changing the name of the show essentially uh, was a hell of a recovery from what happened with Rachel. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's you know she's been on this podcast. She's a she's a she's a great talent. She's really smart. She's she's uh, unselfish. Shares the mic. Doesn't have to be the star. And they have they've they they were able to take a situation that was. Uh, in many ways, sort of uh, self-induced, and at least they've come out on yeah, the other side. I do wonder about Perkins. I mean, we have him up here in Boston too. He pops in. I, I like him, He's but I say get that he. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. I, I mean, I think he. Pro honestly, I mean, you would know him better than me. Kendrick feels like Charles in that he has fuck you money, and he doesn't really care if he ever got ran. But um, but yes, I think he's he's he's. He would be a candidate to say something that he kind of really, already did. I mean, with the Joker the, stuff. The, yeah, the people at Disney are a little uncomfortable, and uh, but again, though, I don't even know. If, I think that line has changed, Chad. I just think like once upon a time that. Uh, are you unaware of cancel um, culture? Things that might have. <laughs> well, I mean, cancel culture. <laughs> I, I'm trying so hard, Chad. That was bait. Certain lanes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of people who claim to be um, victims of cancel culture are appearing on like programs and writing books. You know what right. I'm saying? It's a nice little canard right, yeah. many times. Quite a to, cycle. Uh, uh, to do that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Our last thing. Uh, let me just give a quick shout out. Tina Thornton, who I really, really like. Incredibly talented. I know her from women's basketball. Uh, got a pop to head of content operations and creative surround. So um, she's got more responsibilities Laura Gentili um, also uh, is, um, I think, got a got more responsibility 
uh, might be working with uh, Tina Thornton. And again, Laura Gentili started ESPNW, another person who really is really smart there and cared about women's sports. So I got a lot of a lot of time and respect for both of them. And then, you know, the um, Manning cast has a new producer, Josh Hoffman, replacing Brian Ryder. Brian Ryder. No, Brian Ryder going to the uh, NFL games and Josh Hoffman will now. But that's a, you know, you're, uh, you're, that's a big job um, at producer of the Manning show in that, like, uh, yeah, it's not going to be the same amount of viewers as Monday Night Football, but, you know, you got a show that is talked about that's creatively interesting, and that's a pretty really good job. I really like me. that show. It, 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 it's just so good natured. They give each other so much crap that in a way that only brothers can do. Um, it's great television watching Peyton get frustrated with quarterback play because he can't contain <laughs> yeah, himself. It is. I agree. Uh, you know, he's got his hands on his head. I mean, so I'm sure some of it, little bits of it, 10% for show probably, but uh, it, it it's, it's terrific TV. And I've never written about it, but do you know how they shaped that? I mean, was that in... Was that Peyton saying, this is what we want to do? A couple of guests, uh, me and my brother, uh, bickering. and Yeah, it was that they they did have tryouts for uh, right. a potential host. I think very quickly yeah, they realized that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that I think they realized quickly that they, they could do it or wanted to do it on their own. And they, I think, made a creative decision that they were going to, especially that first year, they were going to really decide who was going to come on. And they were going to make it as, um, you know, guest oriented. Everybody sitting together and A-list. watching, um, yeah, watching watching football together. I think they, you know, early on, if you remember that show was really hot. Like Peyton was really like coming in really fast as a host. And I think they eventually, at some point, just figured out like what the right cadence was. Eli started sort of f- figuring out where he works on the show, and to me, he's probably sneakier, yes. funnier than his needling brother. his brother. So that's his, what's uh, kind of uh, his area of expertise. Yeah, so that um, that's worked, and and you know the the producer's job will be like you know you keep keep the keep everybody on 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 uh, you know keep the boat standing straight and heading forward, and uh, and not screw it up much with maybe adding you know some small things to it but you know espn is over disney is overjoyed at being in business with peyton and eli manning it's as much about being in business with those two as it is the manning cast itself and that's um that's the value of that let tend dental make your dream smile a reality we offer a variety of top rated treatments including invisalign aligners and for a limited time tend is offering 750 dollars off orthodontic treatments Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. All right. We shall move on to the Aaron Rodgers portion of uh, the program. And as uh, Chad and I are taping this, literally, there's uh, (laughs) close to 400,000 people watching Pat McAfee's uh, live YouTube channel. As I am... uh, refreshing my feed right now chat i have not seen any um i have not seen any official notification we're going to work under the premise chad me and you that aaron Rodgers is interested in 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 playing for the new york jets and figuring out a way to um make that um deal happen if that is the case the nfl will of course be overjoyed i think because to get interest in a new york team uh, the Jets will become a national team. They'll get 
primetime games. They'll get some showcase games. I think the Packers will always still draw viewers because they're the Packers, even if Aaron Rodgers is not the the quarterback there. So if you're the league, and obviously the league cannot comment on this, don't you think that they absolutely want Aaron Rodgers in New York? I mean, Jets haven't been nationally relevant in in what feels like forever, and this will make them nationally relevant. It will, and they've been uh, waiting for that since, uh, what, Namath? But uh, if I'm uh, – I mean, I know the the schedule isn't divided anymore evenly between uh, NFC on Fox and uh, AFC on CBS, but if I'm Fox and Tom Brady's retired – uh, Aaron Rodgers probably going to the AFC. Uh, it seems that way. And suddenly you look up and the marquee quarterbacks aren't in your conference. You've, uh, you've got uh, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, if you want to yeah. put him in that category. Ro- you could have Rodgers. I mean, that's yeah, maybe AFC, depending on where Lamar Jackson ends up. And uh, that is, uh, that's pretty, pretty top heavy. It's kind of interesting though, because you, Look back to the 80s and the NFC dominated and, uh, uh, you know, back in those days, uh, CBS had their games and and uh, it was just um, overwhelming power to the NFC. But even in those days, the AFC had Marino, LA, Kelly, you know, probably more of the good quarterbacks. It was just that the NFC was uh, more of the dominant conference in Montana, but uh, really not a spectacular quarterback beyond that. Just great, great teams for a long time. So. We'll see if that uh, affects the the balance of power in terms of uh, ratings or uh, what games end up where. But it, it does feel like a little bit lopsided in terms of star power to the AFC if Rodgers ends up with the Jets. If he's with the Jets, do you, do you if you're the NFL, do you not try to make Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football first week of the year an Aaron yeah. Rodgers game? You have to, right? Assuming, presuming the. Uh, Kickoff game is not is not the is not the Jets, which I presume it will not be. Um, it'll be the Chiefs versus someone. Um, don't you you got to right? I mean, don't you got to make that first game? You need you have to put him in a primetime game first week. You do. Yeah. What do you do, Josh Allen and the Bills? Uh, I mean, that's obviously would be a phenomenal game for either NBC or Monday Night Football. Um, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, this is where the schedule makers will have to figure it out. I actually think that, you know, there's an argument to be made that you the opponent doesn't have to be great. It could be the Jets versus anybody, and that game is going to do great. So you don't even necessarily have to make it a, a divisional game, which should have significance. They actually have the Kansas AFC City on their schedule, East. and uh, they also play oh, the NFC East. So you can theoretically okay, yeah. go Dallas Giants. Oh yeah, Jets, those Giants. Are, those are, yeah, yeah, great matchups. Yeah, I might. If, if if Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets, I think I want that Dallas Jet game to be later in the year. I mean, that's a mass. Maybe make imagine that's yeah. a Thanksgiving game. Yeah, assuming. Uh, I mean, that's assuming Rodgers is Rodgers this season. Which, yeah, yeah, he's healthy. I mean, yeah, you gotta. Yeah, there's no, there's no. By the way, there's no guarantees on any of this that the Jets will be great. I'm talking about early in the season where everybody's zero zero or you know one and zero or two and zero or or zero and two. You still get some kind of viewership. It does make Chad the AFC East, though potentially, just an unbelievable um, division of interest because the Dolphins are, you know, should be better. They just got Jalen Ramsey. They look like they're loading up. Bills should still be very, very good, and obviously have a you know one of the stars in the league in Josh Allen. If the Jets get 
Aaron Rodgers, sort of, you know, they were already a team a little bit on the upside. New England still has Belichick in your neck of the woods and, you know, should at least still be competitive. So those games should be, this game should be of interest, no matter sort of where they're airing. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk last year that the AFC West was like the most interesting yeah. division, like as a television viewership play. But if Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, I think that's the I think it becomes the AFC East. If I, got, I guess I got to do. I'm, tr- I'm trying to look around. I guess, admittedly, the NFC East does have the Eagles and the Cowboys, and that's pretty massive there. But the AFC East becomes a, that much more of an interesting viewership place because you have, I don't know, is there anybody more famous than Aaron Rodgers? I'm not talking better. I mean, who's more famous as a Q rating, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick? Well, Rodgers? they they both got the State Farm, right? Did they drop Rodgers? Is Rodgers still doing yeah. this? I feel like I haven't seen him. Oh, I don't know. I I, th- I just think Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is probably the uh, the most famous. Once Brady's retired, he's the most famous person in the league, given his athletic achievements and the fact that he's just been so newsworthy with every freaking thing he's been saying. So again, I'm not basing. I'm not saying who's the most popular or who's the best quarterback. I'm just saying awareness. I think he's the he is the person who is the most has the highest awareness. Recognition, yeah, of any and he NFL MVP two opinion. years prior to this, and uh, got to run as a Jeopardy tryout host. I mean, that's a pretty high Q rating. I, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think probably the stuff away from football and just the general weirdness of the guy. Um, and also, you know what, the fact that his his brother was, you know, a bachelor contestant. I mean, it, it kind of broadened the, that's the, right. the fame of the entire family. Um, yeah, probably more than Mahomes. Although Mahomes feels like with this last Super Bowl that he's he's getting to that really truly elite level in professional sports where uh, you know you, you you transcend the sport you play. I think maybe it will take one more one more Super Bowl for him, but it feels like he's he's getting up there into that Curry uh, kind of range. Yeah, I'll tell you this, man. And again, you know, we probably should have taped this at a better date because literally Aaron Rodgers is. A, my entire Twitter feed is just Aaron Rodgers' ass. But the, the big winner of this is Pat McAfee, regardless of where Aaron Rodgers uh, lands. Why does Rodgers so close with him? They don't right. play together. Let's... Uh, I think they they somehow became buddies. McAfee's hard um, not to like. Maybe at the maybe Pro Bowl? Yeah, McAfee's – yeah, I like Pat McAfee a lot. He's always been – Incredibly professional with me. I mean, you know, I named him the athletic sports media person of the year, which I thought was uh, legit. Uh, but yeah, he's, I think he's just, I like people who are unique and authentic. Um, you know, I'm a pro wrestling fan, obviously. So I like the fact that McAfee's on WWE. I'm sure I probably give him more of the benefit of the doubt. He's not perfect, but, 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 but he's authentic. And, and more important than anything else, every person I've talked to, who has worked for Pat McAfee or has been around Pat McAfee says he's a genuinely decent human being. So that really is sort of what matters to me more than anything else. Um, there's no great uh, segue for this, but let's finish up with um, RSN stuff. Um, you know, I, at some point, just so the listeners know, I, I will bring on um, some analysts, some RSN experts, and we'll sort of go long. The thing about this stuff and I'm sure you read somewhere that Diamond Sports uh, group, uh, you know, uh, announced that it filed its bankruptcy. Like this, this story is going to be going on for the next, you know, six months, twelve months, two years. So it's you can really do an RSN segment in every sports media podcast. But you know, Chad, one of the things obviously that is particularly interesting to me with Diamond Sports uh, 
uh, group announcing this. And just so that people know, Diamond Sports Group broadcasts games for nearly half of the MLB teams, NBA and NHL teams. So they're a very, very significant player when it comes to how you consume your games. They filed for bankruptcy late Tuesday. It threatens to sort of upend the economic model of, of all these leagues. And at the moment, you still should be able to sort of see your product somehow. Like either um, the league will provide a channel or some streaming place for it, or I should say the team will. But what's going to happen here is very clear is that baseball wants ultimately, Chad, to control all these rights so that they can one day get everything under one tent and figure out ways to broadcast the games to people, most likely direct-to-consumer, but perhaps direct-to-consumer as well as uh, some kind of over-the-air cable product. But this is where it strikes me that everything is heading, is that the leagues, or at least in particular baseball, is going to try to get hold of this, and basically everything is going to be coming out of baseball now as opposed to what we have traditionally been used to, which is the RSN model. Boston here is uh, a pretty interesting... I don't know if case study is the right word, but in a, a, a kind of a unique place with this because Nesson owns the Red Sox uh, and uh, the, Red, uh, the Red Sox own Nesson and also the Globe. So there's that uh, sort of triangle there. And last year, Nesson launched uh, its own streaming app where you pay 30 bucks a month, which uh, people were irate with the price point, but 30 bucks a month, you can watch the Red Sox and Bruins. And they were kind of the guinea pig for that. And they're very guarded about what the numbers are, but um, it felt like at that point in time that that was going to be a model that uh, all the other RSNs ended up following. And now uh, there, there's kind of chaos behind them. So there's uh, you know a lot of mystery about how this plays out, but um, we'll see how the you know the, the the MLB certainly wants it under one umbrella and to have control and. Uh, it's just really tough now to get a clear picture of what that ultimately is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, in reading the the people who have really done um, good reporting on this, uh, our own Dan Kaplan at my place, um, yeah. John Oren, of course, at the Sports Business Journal, um, you know, Wall Street Journal has done some good stuff. Uh, the... The business is irrevocably sort of broken. It's now really just going to be the case of um, two things. One, ultimately, like what is what is the model heading forward in terms of you being able to view these games? And the likelihood is it's some kind of direct-to-consumer model. I mean, Diamond Sports Group slash Sinclair wants all the digital rights because they want to be able to sell you um, these games direct to you. MLB, for example, does not because MLB wants to be the ones to do that. So that the, the model is going to change and ultimately we'll have to follow to see how the, what, what model exists and what the pricing point is, which is a massive thing to me, like MSG plus and their pricing point was charging $30 a month. outrageous to me. Um, and I, I think, yeah, and I think viewers are going to push back. I mean, you you know, I know these like play, we'll use Nest as an example. They sure they do. Keep these numbers proprietary, but I bet you they're not doing. Yeah, I bet you they're not doing as well as they need to do. So that would be part one. Part two, and this is a big one, Chad, and this gets into the competitiveness. A lot of these teams. Like I was reading a story out of St. Louis. The 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 Cardinals are 
believe they're going to have to like retool their own desires about the players they pay and bring in because of their RSN deal heading forward. And that money expected to them is not going to be nearly as, as regular or, yeah, the bubble burst. Uh, or as high as what they thought. And so they have told, yeah, yeah. They've actually told fans that like, like our budget is going to go down. Like don't expect us to bring in high price free agents. So that is really fascinating in that, like, you know, right now it's very much a sports business story, but at some point it's going to become a sports competitive story because the, a lot of these teams, you know, certainly in the non-football uh, leagues that um, they rely on, they've relied on this RSN money to fund all sorts of stuff, including pre- player procurement. And that's going to change. It's legitimate now. too. So, people are, when um, teams claim that, people I, are going to cl- uh, yeah. uh, be immediately suspicious because they have a lot of reason to be. Yeah, Teams will take any excuse they can. Right. And because yeah, uh, the books are not open it, uh, right. a year ago, I think the Marlins was the only team that didn't make any money. It was something like that. Uh, or actually, maybe they did, but they didn't make right. as much as others. Everybody's rolling in cash or was that may change uh, w- without that RSN money pouring in the windows. And it is going to be to some degree a valid excuse of, or a valid reason uh, for not paying this player over that player and that sort of thing. And uh, we'll see right. if fans buy it, but it's true. Don't you think it's going it, to, I feel like it's going to just separate the big market. Well, looky, yes. Middle right? and smaller I mean, market teams. You know, they, that, that's an extremely successful yeah. uh, RSN. It does a lot of things, right? You know, they, they do things there. Like they produce in-house their own uh, bio- biographies of former players. That uh, a lot of these RSNs don't spend the money to produce. Right. But the real, the book, bu- but the money comes from yes. the yeah. Yankees, like the, the 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 fact that they have the Yankee rights and yeah. to a small extent Nets rights. But like that's that's what if you're subscribed if you're pay, yeah if you're paying for yes, yes. you're paying for Yankees yeah. games. That's why you have yes, right? No offense to Michael Caine Yankeeography, but like you're paying because you want to watch the games. Uh, just as a point of order for people, Diamond Sports Group um, has nineteen. Or had 19 Bally Sports channels, I guess they have still, uh, that air 47 NBA, MLB, NHL, and WNBA teams. I mean, that is just a massive amount of yeah. teams that fall under that uh under that company. And obviously now that they've um they filed bankruptcy again, you know, I I, I would cede to the people who are far more expert at this than me, including the business side people. But um you know, this is going to be a story that's going to be massive. It's going to be one of the biggest stories of 2023, if not the biggest. It's going to affect everything in terms of sports, particularly all the places that uh, people consume this stuff. Um, so we'll be talking about it. Last one, Chad, real quick. Um, I know you're not a um, no, I'm not uh, a pro wrestling fan, <laughs> but did you happen to see? Yeah, but did you happen to see the news that the WWE was, or at least uh, reported to be floating the idea of getting some. Um, gaming officials in certain sports to allow people yes. to bet on How is that possible? matches. Um, and it looks like the game, right? Yeah, the gaming officials are pushing back saying that this is, we can't regulate this. I mean, what kind of circle like really knows about these results or, or, or doesn't? But here's the one thing I would say, and by the way, I don't think this will happen. It strikes me as a, a little bit of a trial balloon by the WWE just to sort of raise the price of a potential sale, you know, throw in the fact that, hey, you got, a potential to make money on gambling, et cetera. Um, 
people will bet on anything though. Like that's the thing. Like look how much people were betting or at least talking about betting on the Oscars. Right? Like you saw that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like there wouldn't be a market for it. I think there would be. The question is how do you regulate it? And I have no idea how you regulate it. I just feel like too many people, I don't know. Like, you know, like you're walking around you backstage can't do it. The in the production area. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do it. Yeah. Like, how do you, yeah. Like it's just, I mean, maybe if like the thing was run by like one person back in the day, like Vince McMahon, like maybe it could be done maybe, but yeah, that sort of just struck me as, uh, impossible to do but it's the larger question about you're starting to see um everybody like connected to sports or sports entertainment to try to continue to get into the gambling space because it's just so yeah much it's money a, i mean made. it's insane i heard there were oh god what was the number just when uh betting became uh legal on your you know on your phone here in boston last week um something like 81 million bets or what something like that it was absolutely there. Uh, yeah, insane number. Oh my god! And <laughs> they are betting on anything. The Oscars, uh, they bet on wrestling if they could. Uh, I mean, I see, I see the. We've got all these experts now who are, you know, they were sports radio hosts or something like that at one point in time, and now they're all gambling experts who are giving you their parlay pick on Twitter, and they're betting on the Angels against the Diamondbacks in spring training. I mean, come on, you know, it, 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 there, there are things where. Of course you want to bet. You don't bet on NFL games if you have a great feeling about something. Or, you know, I'd love to put a bet down like on uh, some NBA player to win a certain award or that sort of thing. I don't, but, you know, it's tempting. Uh, but s- some of the stuff, it just, it's going to bring out the worst in people. And having something where it's uh, it's predetermined is, is un- nonsensical and it's going to cause a huge issue at some point if it ever happens. All right, Chad, as we close this up, Put a check mark for for both of us, Aaron Rodgers. As we are in the middle of taping this, and I can promise you that we have, we are taping this at, uh, and Patrick Antonetti can confirm between one and one thirty Eastern time on Wednesday, has said since Friday. I've said my intention was to play for the New York Jets or something like that. I might be mang- mangling that, but to, but yeah, the exact quote there. But but he has to paraphrase. Aaron Rodgers says his intention is to yes. play for the. New York Jets. We'll see what will happen in terms of, um, you know, compensation and if they could actually pull that off. But uh, but Rogers has said that, and so that does put into play um, everything that we said. And the league, absolutely, although they will not say this publicly, I'd imagine, um, will be psyched because if Rogers somehow gets to the to New York, that really makes the New York market. In it changes the equation in terms of viewership for the New York market, and I think there'll be a massive curiosity for Rogers games, even with casual Jet fans as opposed to to diehard Jet fans. So one of your big viewership stories for the National Football League has just come down on March fifteenth. If this gets done, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets changes the equation for NFL viewership. Hope it goes better than Favre did. <laughs> God, man, that feels like fifty <laughs> years ago. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there, there's a probably, you know what, Chad, there's a possibility Brett Favre will try to sue me and you just for mi- literally mentioning his name on this podcast. You did it, not me. We, we, we might have to lower your voice. Uh, 
Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Good, good. I mean, I luck, luckily, I do come from a family of lawyers. So we may lose the case, but it's not going to cost me a ton, at least, which is good news. All right. Chad Finn is um, the fine sports media columnist for the Boston Globe. Check out his work on that great publication, as well as check out Chad on uh, on Twitter. All right, Chad, before I let you go, you have a book to push. What's I up? do have a book to push, Richard. Uh, Boston Globe Story of the Red Sox is a compilation of the Papers, uh, baseball writing through the years. Uh, Paper Globe is actually older than the Red Sox are, which is kind of hard to believe, but true. Wow. And covered the team thoroughly through its whole history. But uh, the stuff I think people of my generation and yours look forward to is probably Lima, Phil Gammons, Ray Fitzgerald, guys like that in the 70s and 80s. So I, I uh, curated it and wrote the bridges between the chapters and all of that. And it's, uh, it's available everywhere right now. Yeah. Congrats. That's You can get that on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever you get books? Wherever you get books, even some small ones, which is really cool. Nice. All right. All right. Well, check out Chad Finn uh, editing uh, this Red Sox uh, Boston Globe anthology. Very cool. All right, Chad. We hope that book does well, and uh, you're welcome to promote it anytime you're back on here. Thanks for uh, joining <laughs> me today on the, uh, on the Sports Media Podcast. I'll do it off the top next time. You should have. That was a mistake on your part, but we got it in at the end. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Rich. Take care. All right. My thanks to you, Chad Finn, for uh, popping on the podcast and definitely check out uh, his book that he has uh, guest edited uh, regarding the Boston Globes uh, coverage over the years of the Red Sox. Um, Previous guests, including this week, WWE star Rhea Ripley on the nexus of wrestling and media and how she handles uh, all her media commitment. She was great. Really, really interesting performer will be a star in that promotion for many years to come. And Matt Norlando on what it's like to cover the NCAA tournament. He's at CBS Sports as a senior writer. We did some Pac-12 meteorite stuff with San Jose Mercury News reporter John Wilner. Sweeney Murdy came on. Talked about leaving WFAN and joining MLB as a senior contributor. Had Luke Smith and Madeline Coleman on of The Athletic to talk about covering Formula One. Taylor Twelman, Daniel Slayton, and Marcelo Balboa on uh, being part of the Apple Major League Soccer. Uh, new package to Sean Reed and Evan Drellich. My colleagues at The Athletic had Mike Joy and Larry McReynolds, the two well-known NASCAR announcers uh, for Fox, and then uh, Jim Trotter on going viral for uh, his Rihanna video as well as questioning Roger Goodell. Hopefully there are things on the uh, podcast that uh, you will enjoy. Check out the archives. Uh, please leave us a five-star interview and a nice note if you like this podcast. That's how it continues. want to thank Chad for coming on real quick. Uh, to, uh, to talk about a couple things, and we did get the Aaron Rodgers stuff in, so that was good. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former 
sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on alternate routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus.